Hi, everybody. Welcome to Colton Corner, Lafayette's Interfaith Podcast. I'm Lisa Green. I'm the Interfaith Fellow. And today I have the honor of being joined by the fabulous, the wonderful Josh, Mike, and Thalia. Um, so this is so exciting because this is our first episode ever interviewing more than one person at a time. So we're just we're just going to have a good time with it. We're going to get to know everybody. I um, let's let's go around this way. We could do do Mike and then Josh and Thalia if you want to throw anything. Chime <laughs> in. Yeah, um, and just tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your role on campus? Where are you from? You know, what's your faith tradition? Yeah. Uh, my name is Mike Shivanis. I'm the associate director of facilities operations. So I oversee general trades, uh, which is like carpentry, roofing, masonry. Uh, I oversee mechanical trades, which is plumbing, HVAC, and electrical. Uh, I do project management for the campus, and uh, yeah, I'm just all-around facilities guy. Um, I am from sort of the eastern edge of Berks County. Grew up on a farm, um, and uh, not far from here, maybe, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. My parents still live on the farm. Uh, I am Catholic. I'm Byzantine Rite Catholic, which uh, is something we can get into. So maybe it's sort of a uh, religious fun fact about me that makes me, <laughs> separates me from the pack a little bit. Um, I uh, grew up Catholic. I'm not a convert or anything along those lines. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm so excited yeah, to get into what differentiates that from you know, the rest of Catholicism. Yeah. But uh, for now, Josh. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Josh Parr. I'm the uh, farm manager for Lafayette College. So I oversee our wonderful campus farm out at the Metzger uh, complex. And I manage the farm and work with students out there. And I also partner with faculty to use the farm as a living laboratory uh, for, their, for their classes. Um, and I am Roman Catholic. So we are we are a part of the same faith, but two different rites. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about what that means. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I am also different from Mike because I am a convert uh, and a pretty recent mm-hmm. convert. Um, my the quick version of my background is that my parents were both raised Catholic, Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, but they both left the church before I was oh, wow. born um, and before they even met each other. Uh, so I was always sort of aware of Catholicism as part of my ancestry, um, but wasn't raised with the faith. Um, and I came to it as an adult um, sometime around 2017. I started attending Mass. Um, I was baptized um, and brought into the church uh, just four years ago uh, in 2019. Wow. That's yeah. so cool. Can I ask... Why your parents left the church? Have they ever told you about it? Yeah, so different reasons. Um, my mom left as a teenager. Um, she was raised going to mass, um, but it didn't um, it didn't speak to her. And as a teenager, I think she started having maybe doubts about the faith and and wanted to branch out. She also grew up in um, in the sort of sixties and seventies um, and was very part of the sort of um, cultural revolution of that time and hippie movement and um, she became interested in um, different forms of Eastern religion um, and ended up living in India uh, at an ashram like following a guru (laughs) there um, and then since then has kind of practiced her own um, mostly personal private spirituality but she has been recently attending Quaker meetings. So sort of all over the place. Um, My dad um, stayed with the church much longer. He was actually in seminary, um, which is in the Catholic church, you go to seminary in order to become a priest. Um, He went through most of that, but then decided to, um, that the priesthood wasn't for him. Um, He remained in the church um, teaching religion at Catholic schools, um, but had a falling out um, with the, um, I suppose, with the hierarchy of the church, mm-hmm. um, and he became disillusioned with the uh, fallen nature of the institution, um, and decided to leave the faith. Um, 
he still um, is a he believes in God and, and has a sort of personal spirituality that that has a lot of Christian and Catholic elements. It's very Christ centered, um, mm-hmm. but he doesn't attend any church or isn't part of any sort of congregation or denomination. Kind of independent, unaffiliated kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm so curious as to how the elements of the Eastern religion, I guess it sounds like the Quakerism is more recent, um, but just, and, and for both of you, like what growing up was like in faith and any kind of faith or spirituality related first memories. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I grew up uh, in a pretty conventional Catholic household. That means a couple of things. It means um, that we did attend Holy Mass on a weekly basis, but it also meant that we were otherwise sort of not particularly, uh, you know, practicing. Um, you know, sort of, I think we were at the tail end of sort of cultural Catholicism. Mm. Um, and uh, it's only been now, kind of me and my sisters, where we've really kind of had to make the decision to, you know, either stick with the faith or not. Um, but, um, yeah, growing up, um, one of my kind of most religiously significant memories growing up, and this is something that I've now um, taken to trying to impress upon my children, was during the Holy Mass, uh, there's a very special part called the consecration, and that's when the uh, the bread and the wine are transubstantiated when they become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's sort of the apex of the Mass, um, you know, very important, but it's there's a sense in which it's very explicitly kind of stated in the liturgy that that's what's going on. Uh, but if you don't know a lot about the liturgy, you would also kind of maybe very easily miss it. And But I remember my parents, I was just like absolutely riddled with ADHD and uh, <laughs> I continue to be to this day. Uh, but, um, you know, my parents kept a pretty free reign uh, or allowed us to have somewhat free reign during Mass. Like they weren't, uh, they didn't like crack the whip super hard. We weren't like sitting there with our hands clasped or anything. Um, but I remember my dad kind of, you know, kind of pulling me in and whispering in my ear, like, basically, quit screwing around at this point, you know, like, <laughs> like something really holy is going on here. And he would even, even use words that were kind of that, uh, like, prosaic to describe uh, the miracle of transubstantiation, which is sort of hilarious. Um, but I, but that was arresting as a child, you know? It was like, oh, I can kind of screw around, but, like, Dad, like, is really serious about this one point. And I think that seriousness mm-hmm. engendered in me a sense of, wonder um and reverence that you know is kind of maintained to this day and so like i said my wife and i with our kids we have five children um we can uh yeah that's uh that's a whole (laughs) other piece of the puzzle i suppose amazing but uh uh that's something that i've tried to do with my kid that we've tried to do with our kids is is just sort of during the consecration which is kind of the, the holiest part of of uh the mass we try to um have the kids kind of get a little more focused, a little more reverent, and hopefully that kind of engenders some things in the long term. Um, so yeah, and that's sort of like a, a very quick snapshot. But otherwise, yeah, I'm a very conventional Catholic uh, upbringing, I would say. Uh, Catholic high school, um, you know, holidays and all that kind of stuff. Didn't, we didn't pray as a family, really. I mean, there's there's sort of Christian mandates that we we really didn't observe. <laughs> uh, not mandates, but, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, so anyway... Um, but both my parents, uh, I think both my parents actually are now much more Catholic than they were when I was growing up, interestingly. Oh, that mm. is interesting. So, what mm. do you think influenced that? Um, you know, I, I think um, I think it's the case that all religious people, as, as our culture becomes increasingly secular, I think it's the case that all religious people have to kind of decide whether they're... Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they're religious or not, whether they buy this stuff or not. You know, yeah. I think there was sort of a quaint and bygone era when you could just sort of be like carried along. Casual. Yeah, casual yeah. and sort of the practice of your faith because you're sort of your neighbor, you know, you, you were seeing all of your neighbors at church and then on Sunday and then you were seeing them all at work on Monday or, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think as our, as our culture, um, uh, you know, just kind of becomes more secular, I think people are sort of having to decide whether... Um, you know, this, this religious stuff is real or not, whether it makes sense or not. Um, and so I think, I think it was that to a large extent. Maybe it was having children. People often say that um, even sort of like not religious people or a-religious people, when they have children, they're sort of uh, forced to confront the divine as they kind of look mm-hmm. at their kids and try to understand mm-hmm. the mystery of life and those kinds of things. Maybe it was something along those lines. Um, although as a kid, yeah, they, they weren't super religious either, like I said. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I don't know. I think I think yeah. I think it's just kind of as the 
cultures become more secular, they've been forced to choose to be, whether they're really religious or not, they mm. choose to be so. That makes a lot of sense. I, I'm so curious, though, about that moment where your dad kind of elevated the service. It's mm. like, this is worth paying attention to. Mm. Yeah. You know, is that mm. something you thought a lot about, like, as you were growing up, or it's more recent coming back to that? Mm. Um, I've certainly revisited after, ha- my oldest is 10, so, I mean, I've had kids for, you know, or, uh, is she 10? Yeah, she's 10. Uh, <laughs> we, have, we have five kids, yeah. Something around there, yeah. If I can remember all their names, it's a pretty good day for me. Is she <laughs> driving yet? Oh. Yeah, no. What's Whatever. Um... So, uh, yeah, I mean, when I had kids, I started to kind of think in those terms again. Like, I, I, I started to revisit frequently mm. sort of images and, and motifs, you mm. know, so to speak, from my own childhood. And I suspect that's a, something that every new parent goes through. Um, but it also was something that, like, stuck with me. Like, I remember being sort of like, um, wow, um, yeah, like, dad's, like, telling me I got to take this seriously. Like, in a way where... If, if, you know, I mean, it's never happened, of course, but, like, if we had been with, uh, you know, the President of the United States or something at some kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, some uh, meal or presentation or something, he, he would have kind of leaned over and expected me, like, don't scroll around, you know what I mean? Like, there, there, was, there would be a certain sort of rigidity and, like, importance and gravitas to, to what was happening. And I just wonder um, if that same, that, that sense of gravitas that he was attributing, even, not even to the whole mass, but just to one part of the right. mass, uh, right. and, and one part that lasts you know, 30 seconds maybe, um, okay. that was sort of arresting. And, and I, I would often think of that, even, even in, through until adulthood. And maybe it's because it's the blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. I've been to a Catholic mass a couple of times, and I've never known when that happened. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Like, if, I don't think if you... <laughs> And, and and that's true. I mean, you know, you, you told us before we were uh, recording here that you're Jewish. I mean, that that is also probably the case for a lot of Catholics. Sure. Uh, and I say that, yeah. you know, with a little bit of sort of irony, a rueful <laughs> smile on my face. But it, I'm not joking. Like when I say that, like if you, if you were to say to the average sort of run of the old Catholic, hey, you, you know, when when does the consecration happen at Mass? They'd be like, the consecration, well, what? You know? Yeah, what uh, are you talking about? So um, it is. It's, it's not a... Um, it, it, as you as you learn more about the liturgy, you begin to realize like, oh wow, actually it's kind of enshrined uh, sort of ritually, um, very nicely in a way that you you know uh, does kind of bring it to the forefront. But if you don't if you don't know what to look for, then right. yeah, it's kind yeah. of everything kind of probably there's sort of this cacophony of people walking around and people saying stuff and singing and whatever, you know all kinds of stuff. So uh, it wouldn't be easily for. yeah. Wow, yeah, and then I'm I'm so curious about what it was like going to Catholic school after because you were saying did you go to church every week mm-hmm. yeah yeah but it still felt kind of casual it was definitely casual yeah I mean like you think of I don't know if you think of sort of like uh, if you google like Christian family you probably come up with all kinds of like people like around a hearth praying together or something and that, that was not my experience of, of Christianity you know as, as a kid um it, it, you know, we, we did. That, that was what we did. We went to Mass every Sunday, which, to be clear, is a is a mandate in Catholicism, yeah. you know? So it's important that we did. Like, that's... There's a sense in which that's a bare minimum, but, um, first of all, it's a bare minimum to which many people do not adhere. Many Catholics right. do not adhere. Right. Like I've heard yes. C&E Catholics. Right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But, listen, us, like, every weekers are so salty when we show up in Easter, and there's, like, someone in our seat that's like, yeah, what are you right. doing? Yeah. All the Christian charity goes, yeah. goes right out the window. It's like, oh, you bastard. Yeah. Uh, we have the same thing when people just show up for the high holidays. Yeah, it's, it's like, like, come on. Where were you the rest of the yeah. year? Exactly. Rosh Hashanah rolls around. Seriously? Look at you now. Exactly. Oh, now you're here to come in front of me. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. But also, yeah, religion definitely engenders you know tolerance and love for all people. Anyway, uh, (laughs) but also, yeah. But uh, yeah, no. So so we we would go every week. Otherwise, uh, we would not pray together. My parents didn't really model prayer or encourage prayer. But that's another sort of necessity of the Christian life is prayer. Um, And. you know, we, we would not, like, help the poor or do the, what in the Catholic tradition would be called, like, the corporal works of mercy. So, um, you know, those kinds of things. Although now, like, they are. They, they go to the soup kitchen. They bring my kids sometimes. Like, it's cool. So, like I, like I said, I, I think, interestingly, they've kind of matured in their faith a lot uh, over the past, you know, 20, 30 years. But, um, but we were going to Holy Mass, uh, which, again, is mandatory. And it, it's uh, uh, the most recent ecumenical council, uh, which is just sort of a worldwide council of Catholicism, Referred to it as the source and summit of Christian life. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, both the source, you know, uh, the origination, and then also the, the highest point, kind of most important point. So, 
Uh, well, actually, actually, it said that about the Holy Eucharist, but that's as enshrined in the Mass. Yeah. So anyway, so the point being, Mass is super important. So the fact that we went to Mass every week, very good, and, you know, like, uh, you know, fine, but we didn't, we didn't really dress also, up. Also, I think it's important for people to know that that is kind of a bare, a bare minimum. And, and right. in, especially I mean, throughout our, our, the tradition of our faith and now, I mean, ma- Mass is offered every day throughout really? every day of the year throughout the entire year since the church has existed. Except for, except for Good Friday. Uh, except for Good Friday. That's the only day that there isn't a Mass. Um, there's still a there's yeah. still a liturgy, but it's not a Mass. Um, yeah, and there are, I mean, there are people that will... That, that are, that are They're called daily communicants. They wow. receive the Eucharist every single day. Um, yeah, and... and I think in our in our history as Catholics, that would be something that was much more common, hmm. um, and the, the church was a place that was some place that you would visit daily. Even if you weren't going for mass, it would be a place that you would you'd be able to sort of stop into Socialize. And, and just pray. Yeah. Oh, or no, no more. I mean, there would be social things happening through the church, but yeah. but the the sanctuary itself um, was very much a a space of not not socializing. It's a it's a sacred space. It's generally silent and people people walking on the street pray because um, I think that's another crucial part about our faith is that is the Eucharist and we believe in the true presence of Jesus Christ in the um, in the bread and wine um, so and and those are present in what is called the tabernacle um, sure. which is a term from, from your faith tradition of course yeah. um, which is on, enshrined on the altar um, and when you walk into a Catholic church you'll see a little red light usually that's on a candle burning a candle. Um, <laughs> that it indicates that that our lord is present um in in physical form in the altar so when people go into a catholic church to pray it's not sort of merely because the church is a place that's sort of conducive for prayer we're actually entering into the presence of of god right so i guess that's why do you think that influences why you'd be less likely to pray at home or somewhere else? Kind of doesn't feel. Yeah, it's funny. There's like a there's like a sort of a champagne problem in Catholicism where <laughs> I find it difficult to pray not with the Blessed Sacrament, which is which is the Holy Eucharist right. or, or Christ Himself. Um, uh, that it is not supposed to be that. That is because I suck. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know. Uh, so you know the idea is that we yeah we we're supposed to be able to pray anywhere. But like I said, it's, it's kind of this uh, champagne problem that I have as a Catholic where uh, I, I I find uh, you know praying in the presence of Jesus Christ uh, yeah just much more natural and easy and, and, and prayerful. Uh, mm-hmm. that makes sense. But uh, I, I don't think that was. I think my parents. To whatever extent, I pray less, pray not as much in a church, and to that same extent that my parents did not pray in a church, I think it was less a reaction to like, well, Jesus is here, like, who cares, <laughs> uh, and more just sort of a little bit of laziness and kind of sure. you know uh, sloth on, on on my part and on my parents' part. Uh, but there's a little bit of that. I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you experienced that. I think that's so natural. Yeah, just. Right, feeling like there's more. I wonder if there's also kind of a communal aspect to it of like praying with people, mm-hmm. if that's you know more motivating. Yeah, community uh, is very important in Catholicism. Like, there's I think I think maybe one of the biggest distinctions between uh, Catholic Christianity and Protestant Christianity, really Catholic and Eastern Orthodox Christianity, and then yeah, held in sort distinction apostolic. Between. Face, yeah. Yeah, exactly. In in uh, in contrast to Protestant Catholicism, is that corporate sense of worship that exists in uh, Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy versus maybe more individualistic faith. Uh, mm-hmm. That's very much painting with a broad brush. I don't want to sure, be imprecise, sure. right? um, but uh, I think there's, there's definitely a communal element to Catholicism for sure. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, that's that's so interesting. I loved hearing about how that experience really shaped your life going forward. I, I'm so curious though to talk about Josh's what elements from maybe your mom's Eastern mm. Eastern traditions ended up in your childhood, how those influenced mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all those kind of core memories. Sure. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So there was. Um, I guess the my parents when when they had us, they both had this sense that that you were talking about. Form like that often people first have children they they have this this sort of sense that like well they need um 
you know, they need some kind of guidance and some kind of like spiritual community. And I think especially because they were both raised Catholic, they had, and because community is such a big part of our faith, they understood that, okay, like, how are they going to know right from wrong? That was the way that the question came up to them with like without having a faith tradition. Right. Um, and they were very sort of confused about how they would teach us that themselves. Um, so they did actually, they brought us to church um, when, when me and my brother were very young. I basically have no memories of it. So it was when I was quite young. Um, but then they just struggled with it because they weren't uh, believers. Yeah. And they, um, so they actually they sort of comically uh, g- gave us the decision. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like a... Did you choose to go to church, I would assume, right? One one, one and a half and a four-year-old. Yeah, probably. Anyone could guess what we would have chosen. So so we we stopped going to Mass. And they did briefly try to continue having some sort of faith education for us. So they, um, on Sundays at home, we would sit around. And it, it wasn't particularly Christian even, but it was sort of just teaching us about like these are the virtues and this is how to be a good person and yeah, stuff like that. Right. Um, but that didn't didn't last long. We didn't huh. it didn't speak to us um, as kids and um, they just kind of gave up on it. Okay, <laughs> um, we so, tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, why Josh is to this day a psychopath. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, n- I never learned right no from virtue. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't yeah. learn how to be a good human being. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so so I think that that was that was mostly the extent of my kind of like spiritual education for my parents growing up. Um, they would talk about um, religion and and spirituality. Um, I was aware that they believed in God, and I had some kind of belief in God just through them, I think, but sure. didn't have any sort of like deep um, relationship with him or even understanding of what that really meant. Um, and I think that that sort of, as I, as I moved on and, and kind of grew up and especially going to college was a big shifting point for me. Um, and I think frankly, just not, not really having a very solid foundation. Um, and then suddenly being surrounded by, um, a very secular environment with a lot of professors who were smarter than me that I looked up to that were not believers of any kind um it became very easy for me to just quickly say okay well i guess i'm an atheist now i feel like it's such a thing i I talk about this all the time that academics look down on religion sometimes you know and it's seen Mm -hmm. as like not educational not academic kind of conflicting with you know science and and other other priorities in that lane Mm -hmm. um that yeah that's so interesting so just kind of this this belief in maybe God growing up, and then, huh? And then how? Wait, where did you go to college first of all? I went to Hampshire College, um, which is a small um, liberal arts school in Western Massachusetts. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I right. That makes a lot of sense. Just not really having too much of any one thing, and then because were any of your friends religious at all? No, not really. There was, there was very few religious people of any, any faith tradition there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think, I think also something that I heard from my parents growing up about religion was that um, it was similar to what you mentioned about sort of academics, right. looking down on it a little. And for them, they saw it as, you know, religion is sort of some people need that. Right. Um, and it's kind of like training wheels. Um, <laughs> that like, uh, I mean that I think that exact metaphor was used. Wow. Um, and that it's kind of, you know, once you kind of develop though this personal one-on-one relationship with God and your own individual spirituality huh. is the kind of higher form of of spirituality, or it is a kind of like evolved, you know, like as a society we are moving past. The, the stage of yeah. organized religion, especially the phrase organized religion, right. um, was always seen as kind of like a backward thing growing up. Um, and there wasn't, I don't think there was much, 
like sort of open hostility toward it, but there's sure. been a kind of like, like condescension. Like oh, interesting. You know, okay. Um, I think yeah, I like that's... some people need that, but like eventually they'll get there. You know, if not we'll them, then their out. kids yeah. will start to. You know, <laughs> I, I think there's a really really close analog uh, culturally to the kind of secularism that we're seeing. Yeah, you know, like where absolutely. it's 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 sort of like well. Um, you know, sort of evolutionarily speaking, just to prevent us from killing each other, uh, you know, we sort of developed this notion of God and this this kind of, um, you know, uh, some some figure, some you know, white Higher bearded power. figure, yeah. yeah, up there in the clouds, who was kind of <laughs> who would you know yell at us if we did things wrong, and would reward yeah. us if we did things good, and the things that were wrong sort of tended to be uh, antisocial behaviors, things that were good tended to you know help society, and right. again, so there's the sort of evolutionary metaphor there, and or, or evolutionary. Um, Impetus there, and then, mm-hmm. and then, but now you know we're you know, we have electricity, and we have you know, <laughs> right. we, we, yeah. have, we know you know string theory, and like we don't need this yeah. kind of stuff anymore. Yeah. We, we've we can base our you know morality off of um, you know there's sort of scientific means, you know. Anyway, so I, I think yeah. it, it's interesting because I think there's sort of a, a very much a uh, it's very much a yeah an analogy for culturally how uh, religion can be viewed sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, and kind of in that same transitional period of life, because I feel like that's such a big thing of being a teenager, growing up, going to college. What was that like, you know, going from the Catholic school environment to college? Did that change, you know, your beliefs at all? Um, no, not really. Um, but my, my beliefs were very shallow. You know, they were, they were examined philosophically, but they hadn't been tested um, they hadn't been tested much. They, they, there was, I don't know, they, they um, you know, they hadn't been put sort of in a crucible of <laughs> difficulty, you know, and, and come out the other end yet. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's important for, uh, you know, healthy religiosity to undergo. Um, so, you know, it, I, I had sort of struggles with, you know, Belief and and those, I mean those always sort of continued. Um, uh, God, I mean I'm not a mystic. God hasn't just like come to me. You know I only like, talk to him every day and just like see him there in person. You're not and, Moses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, um, I've got a pretty nice beard, but that's <laughs> otherwise the similarities. Uh, and, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and um, you know, so I, I think I had to realize I had to take off the training wheel, so to speak, uh, but then only continue continue on the two. Uh, Adult wheels of uh, the bike, <laughs> of, um, this metaphor, which I'm stretching way beyond its intended uh, limits. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, listen, and, like I just did a lot of sort of non-Christian stuff, sort of in, both in college and afterwards. And, I mean, listen, whatever, continue today. I mean, I'm, sure. I'm not I'm even yeah. the first one to admit that I, I <laughs> I'm not uh, adhering to what I ought to. But um, yeah, I, I had sort of a very conventional college experience, yeah. and just like drinking. Women, yeah. like whatever, <laughs> sure, yeah, uh, rock and roll, drug, sex, and rock and roll, right? Uh, but um, because it was like the two thousand, so it was like drug, sex, and DMX or whatever. Right? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> which we still, my wife and I both talk about how we just—it's just amazing how you revert to those kinds of like musical tastes. We yeah. just still love all that crap. Yeah. Uh, there's something else the world has definitely grown past is early two thousands hip hop, but not me. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, Anyway, but so I, I went. Uh, I was at a very secular school. Ultimately, ended up transferring. And actually, I went to a different school and got and ended up getting a degree in theology. Um, so really? my my collegiate career. I should have probably led with that. You asked me about college, and I was just like <laughs> went to the where I was like the worst Christian ever. Uh, but yeah, so the latter half were still sort of like morally, I was pretty awful. But at least uh, intellectually, um, I was trying to kind of bring myself in line with Catholicism. Um, was when I, I ended up getting a, a degree in uh, in theology from Sales University. Wow, what yeah. got you to want to get a degree in theology? Um, I I did vacation Bible school, uh, which uh, for your listeners who, who may not know what that is, is just sort of I don't know. It's like over summer. It's like it's like uh, sort of like CCD or like Sunday school, sure. uh, but it's like a, like a, like a week long camp kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And so a church might put on you know uh, you know three or four or five whatever sort of vacation Bible schools kind of consecutively, and you get like wow. a new batch of kids each week or whatever. <laughs> And um, seeing kids trying to reckon with, uh, and like like in some cases like young kids uh, mm-hmm. trying to reckon with the divine and with big questions was really um, touching and really um, 
Yeah, I, I, it was it, it 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 like wrecked me a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was a business major, and um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And all of a sudden, it became clear to me that um, my life would have a lot more meaning if I got a degree in theology instead of mm-hmm. a degree in business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know facilities manager, but that's true. <laughs> uh, so. If you're listening, audience, uh, stay in school, get a job in engineering, or get a degree in engineering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so I ended up getting my degree in in theology. Did you ever think about like, becoming a priest? Or um, a little bit, um, not very seriously. Um, so, uh, in in Catholicism, if you're to become a priest, is sort of a very much it's it's a vocation, so it's calling from God, mm-hmm. um, and it's um, you know. But if you were to describe it in just sort of secular terms, you'd say it's sort of both a job and a lifestyle. Like it's right. very uh, you're very set apart. Like in in maybe. Um, there are many Christian denominations where if you're sort of like the pastor of a parish, you have sort of a very like a conventional life, kind of a nine to five sort of thing. But in Catholicism, the priesthood is very much set apart and uh, very distinct. So mm-hmm. it was never really a super live option for me. Um, and God just didn't move a desire for that in my heart because he knew that he, he didn't, he didn't want me to be a priest. So it's fine. Like you kind of have to, in Catholicism, you kind of have to discern priesthood. Like you have to sort of like, yeah. Oh, like I, you know, you have to decide that's what you're going to do. Uh, if you don't have a strong inclination that way, you just get married. Like that's sort of yeah. like sort of the conventional approach. I but guess. you know, I mean, marriage is not is not merely what you do if you're not a priest. Marriage is, is equally a vocation as well, right? I mean, that it, it is a calling. It's a vocation. It's less in dignity, technically. But I mean, it's you know, it's sort of a. It's like I mean, we're being honest with each other. You know, we listen. Like, it's uh, but it, but it is it is no less a calling from God for sure. Yeah. But the mechanics of what that looks like, like I didn't strongly consider the priesthood, even though I did yeah. have, did have a very sense. active that faith because um, yeah, I mean, there's certain people uh, in whom God stirs uh, a sort of a desire and uh, you know an interest in the priesthood, and then uh, the majority he doesn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't right. give a ton of serious discernment towards the priesthood. I don't think I think that's okay. I think it was. Mm-hmm. You know, but so you're saying that even though you're getting this degree in theology, you didn't feel like it fully lined up with your lifestyle yet? Right. Um, was there kind of a moment after college that maybe made you want to become more faithful? Um, I, uh, this is true of me in particular, but it's true of Christianity and Catholicism more broadly speaking, like I, I to this day have a very wide <laughs> gulf between what I ought to do uh, sure. and what I I do. Um, and uh, St. Paul talks about it. Uh, he says, uh, something, I'm just going to butcher this horribly because I'm Catholic, so I don't know the Bible. Uh, <laughs> but he, he, says, <laughs> he says something along the lines of, you know, I do all the things that I know I should not do. Or yeah. I, I do all the things yeah. I do not want to do, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, listen, that tension of my lifestyle being one thing and then my beliefs being another exists to this day and um but would you say you had a change where because i think that there's there's a difference between desiring that perfection right Mm -hmm. our lord says be perfect for your father in heaven is perfect but would you say that you had a shift where because i think there's a a lot of catholics that that don't even necessarily desire that Mm -hmm. that there's this there is sort of objectively speaking from the outside a gulf between their behavior and what the church demands of us, mm-hmm. but they internally may think like, well, those things are old fashioned or right. um, I don't personally buy into that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that probably, um, that probably did start developing in college as I, as I learned more about um, the Christian life um, intellectually and then realized sort of how far I had to go phenomenologically or like with my, Actions of my, you know, my actual lived experience, um, and um, yeah, like I said, just kind of continues to this day. Um, so I, I never had an area where I was kind of like, eh, who cares? But I, I was sort of ignorant, I would say, through mm-hmm. high school. Like I probably had some desire, um, but it was only in college, and especially being around others. You know, again, sort of that corporate, sure. that that, right. that communal sense of faith. Like being, that, that I found that to be so important, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. both then and then. Actually, I kind of had a renaissance of that in my life a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. It turned out to be super important too, but. Um, yeah, so uh, that kind of desire for perfection has been kind of purified and crystallized a little more, I would say, yeah. in, the, in the you know since college. Because uh, when I'm listening to you, I think like I'm I'm just thinking about the the experience of a, a we call it a cradle Catholic, 
Are you, are you a cradle or a convert? So were you born oh, I love into that. Catholicism <laughs> or were you, did you come to the faith as an adult? Right. Um, and I think it's very common for cradle Catholics to have, you know, we won't say like a conversion, but a reversion. Mm-hmm. Um, or like a, there's a particular moment where someone who is born to the faith decides to take it on as their own and really start start it's taking not it just seriously. What their parents wanted. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or or something that they, you know, it's like this is cool as part of what I do, but it's not like the most important thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is really what it, it is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 very difficult to actually make that happen in our in our world, you know. Um, yeah. And I think that was something that that's a big difference between like the the experience of a convert where because I'm coming into this as an adult, um, I'm presented with all of these teachings right. um, and, for lack of a better term, rules that you have to follow um, that are very challenging and rigorous. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, so I'm, I'm taking this very seriously and I'm, because I'm about to, you know, say in front of an entire congregation, when you're, I mean, when you're baptized into the church as an adult, um, choosing it you choose it and yeah. you say I mean during the rite of baptism you say like I believe and profess all that the Catholic Church proposes wow um, something along those lines it just so it, it's whole it's the whole hog you know like you don't, <laughs> you don't get <laughs> you to like just kind of like kinda, yeah. it's like I, I, I proclaim that I'm kind of into this you know, <laughs> I proclaim that some of it's cool yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so you know I, I mean I took that very seriously but it's 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 interesting to to be in a position where you're sort of because I, I it was very difficult for me to choose to be to join the church right. because I I was very conflicted and it's like well I don't agree with everything They're, and yeah. and then some people were saying to me well yeah but like most Catholics don't so that's not a reason you shouldn't join that's such a thing um, but to me it's like well. <laughs> no, I, like I th- that maybe those people shouldn't be Catholic. People <laughs> should read the thing Josh, this is the opposite of evangelization. Oh, <laughs> wait, oh, uh, are you usually, sure? Usually Christians are supposed to bring people into the church, not right. kick them out. But, um, hey, what do I know? Uh, That's so funny. Well, what, I'm dying to know, though, like, what brought you to the church? Mm, yeah. So I, um, I guess... So I, as much as my, my, the sort of culture growing up was, you know, spiritual, not religious kind of thing, um, I always um, was aware of it as my kind of heritage and, and an identity. And I think even though I wasn't raised going to mass, I think that there is a sort of... Holidays or... Holidays and, and um, I think specifically like being Catholic. Like, you know, in the United States, um, you know, Catholics have been persecuted in a number of ways um, and they're like like all persecuted groups that tends to form a strong kind of cultural identity right so and there's a way that you can be attached to that cultural identity without the the faith tradition attached to it necessarily so um, I think that I have sort of awareness to that um, and I think I also I, I've always been a person that has had a great love of, of history and, and antiquity um, my in I mean in college I studied um, Greek and Latin and you know um, I got a master's degree in, in that and classics um, so I've always had a love of the ancient world and, and of just things that are old um, and long long standing traditions so I always had a sort of respect for the church um, in that way and um, I just saw a lot of beauty in it you know when I was just walking around like seeing Catholic churches and admiring the architecture stepping inside them and finding it very beautiful that sort of thing and um, but then that conflicting with sort of my, my intellect, which was, was on the side of sort of atheism and sort of materialist kind of worldview. Um, so I think that my, my conversion experience started when I moved to Philadelphia, um, in 2016. Wait, where in, I'm from outside of Philadelphia. Oh, I, I was, I was living in West Philly. 
Um, so I went to high school across the street from West Philly. Oh, cool. That's so funny. That's awesome. Was it, was it uh, Haverford or something? Where'd you go? I, I'm from Haverford. Yeah. That's oh, nice. Yeah, I, I went to Friend Central, which is in like Winwood. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. walk yeah. into West Philly. I know Friend Central. Central. That's yeah. so funny. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I was living in West Philly. I was doing a PhD at Penn, which is why I was there. Oh, cool. Um, wow. And then I, um, later on, I lived in Germantown. Oh, um, awesome. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I... It was when I was in Philly that I also started my sort of career conversion where rather than being a professor, <laughs> I decided to be a farmer. Yeah. Um, and I started getting involved with Philly, as you probably know, as a really vibrant like urban farming scene. Oh, yeah. um, so I got involved with um, the farm at Bartram's Garden, uh, the Sankofa Community Farm, which is an African diaspora centered farm. Wow. Um, super awesome people. And I became very good friends with a lot of farmers there. Um, still great friends. Uh, he's going to be in my in my wedding party coming wow. up. Um, <laughs> so, um, and he's Catholic. Um, and he invited me to go to mass with him. Um, he's he's also a person that's he's very interested in sort of cultural identity and and history. And so we would just geek out about um, like. Our backgrounds and, and the sort of like intersection of those things. And, yeah. um, you know, we have some heritage common. We both have Irish ancestry, but then we have oh. very different ancestry too because he, he also has African descent. And, Interesting. Um, wow. So we would just have great conversations. I really liked him. We became very close friends. And um, in this phase of being curious about my, my heritage and my traditions, it was very clear to me that Catholicism was pretty much all of that um you know i mean my my father's side there's irish and french um and then my mother's side is portuguese so very very catholic countries um yeah so um yeah he invited me to go to the mass and i said yeah i want to experience this you know this is what my ancestors have done for it's generations right. so um and i just i loved it i mean i the the wow. i went to one mass and then i went to, I went every Sunday after that, pretty much until I was baptized, like two years later. Um, That's so cool. I was drawn in at first by, I mean, certainly the beauty of it and the, the liturgy was very fascinating to me. Um, having been, you know, done a master's degree studying ancient texts, I was very right. curious about, wow, this is like an ancient liturgy that's actually being... <laughs> performed. You know, it's it's still enacted, yeah. right? That's like pretty awesome. Um, That's so cool. So, yeah, I was just very drawn to liturgy. I was also just super drawn to community. Um, right. It was a kind of community that I'd never really experienced before. Wow. Um, in that it was it was living out a lot of the sort of values um, that I had, um, but they were, from what I saw, they seemed to be doing it better <laughs> than um, my sort of like secular like counterparts <laughs> you know um so you know I, I i had all these sort of values of you know um sort of radical love for the poor and um you know bringing down people that are o overly powerful and, and all these sort of these these beliefs that are, you know in the western tradition like very much originate in 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 scripture um but are also held now by secular secular groups um so yeah, I was coming at it from a sort of radical left-wing perspective at the time that I kind of got a hold of in college. and But then I showed up and it's like, wow, these people are doing this whole like love and, and diversity thing way better than all of my like anarchist buddies um, yeah. <laughs> um, who are like all just like young white people. Oh, it's just all your yeah. white that are like, <laughs> like college-educated young white people like talking about the proletariat. Like, come on. And yeah. then meanwhile, like, yeah, you know. They read Karl Marx, they're wearing drug rugs, okay? They're legit. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yes. Uh, so then, you know, then I go to this church and it's like, oh, wow, there's like, you know, people of different races here and, you know, people wow, of, of, of different of, of different ages and people of yeah. um, different political opinions. Like, literally, I mean, it's, it's one of the most, St. Vincent de Paul in, in Germantown in Philly. It's a beautiful yeah. um, Catholic church and one of the most truly, like, diverse in, in every sense of that word um, communities that, that I've experienced. And wow. and it was it was rooted in, in this Catholic faith, you know. Right. So right. Um, it was like, okay, well, these guys are doing it better, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna join them, I guess. Um, but then the longer I was in it, the sort of politics and the 
the social causes, um, which are, of course are still very important to me, they became less of the draw. Mm. And I found that um, my, my love started focusing more on, on Jesus and more on, on the liturgy and, and the church itself. Um, that it wasn't just my one kind of quirky little church um, that admittedly was was doing things some things very differently than than other most other Catholic churches. Right. Um, but I came to have a love for this faith in general um, and to have a love for scripture. And um, yeah, I think there was just kind of a crucial moment where there was a switch for me where I I loved Christianity as a means to my um, sort of political beliefs right. um, to developing in my faith to a point where I, I love the church and its teachings for its own sake. Um, and, and that has become the sort of foundation of, that is the principle that guides my life. Um, wow. And it's not just that like scripture provides like ammunition in this kind of like political fight and debate, you know, like, well, the Bible says this, so you should <laughs> believe it too. You know, it's like, um, yeah, it, so there was definitely there was a there was a deepening of, of my conversion. I think that's I think I would say that's a sort of Catholic, very Catholic way to think about conversion. You know, we um, we do believe there's sort of a miraculous moment of during baptism, but that but conversion is also a sort of it is a lifelong process. Um, it's not just sort of like you're saved and then you can just hang out. Yeah. yeah. Is, is there kind of like follow up work to be done, like internal? Yeah. And what's that been like, like since your conversion? Yeah, I mean it's 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 been beautiful and and, and challenging. Um, I think that it has made me. Um, it is. It has made me. Like Mike said earlier, you know, it's like there comes a point where you're. And your faith is sort of put to the put to the test, and and you do end up having to kind of make a choice between um, am I going to be be obedient to the church um, and to what what our Lord has has taught us and how, how we're supposed to live, or or am I going to be obedient to either you know my own desires or um, you know what is being sort of recommended to me by our culture or by politicians or by uh whatever um what have there been like specific moments like that that you can talk about yeah um i mean i don't want i don't know how like (laughs) scandalous we can get nothing you can talk about (laughs) whatever you're comfortable yeah i mean i guess to to be frank like uh chastity you sure. know, I mean, the, the church teaches very clearly and always has that, um, you know, your sex is reserved for marriage. Um, and I, I think like probably most young Americans, I was not living that way. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't sort of. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> But you know, I mean, I tell us more about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I had relationships, um, and yeah, we we were not chased in those relationships. Sure. I'll leave it at that. Um, and you know, that that's something that I think, um, even to, uh, I think a lot of Catholics would seem like, well, wow, you're really taking this seriously, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> course, I, I don't want to speak speak ill of of of. People, but but I think that's the state that that the church is in, and I think that um, I would say that the probably the mainstream of of our of our culture is um, we have some value of that, that that there's sort of like a limit to that th- th- anything can kind of go too far, um, but I, I think that most people would probably say like it's not wrong to have sex outside marriage, like that's you know right. probably. Maybe, maybe people might say like you should probably like love the person or something like That'd that. They nice. might they might yeah. put that kind of caveat on it. Um, but you know, I think there's also a very real like hookup culture where it's sure. like like why yeah. should you love them? Like it's just like it's a mutual like exchange of pleasure. Like yeah, um, I think I think the I think you're like you know uh, saying that you should at least love the person. I think is kind of like a, a reverberation of you know 
Christian culture. It's residual of like, well, it, it ought to be reserved for marriage. I, I think, yeah. I think if you ask your average person on the street these days, they would say, well, yeah, they're kind of, you know, consenting adults, kind of. Right, right. right. That's the kind of yeah. As long as it's not hurting anyone. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Two people want to do it, then yeah, well, go for you it. Know, why not? Yeah, right. yeah. But it's yeah. I mean, those it's those areas. Um, uh, you know, sex is among the greatest pleasures that you can uh, you can have, and so it's, it's those areas. Um, which are, are typically the most difficult, right? When we have to, we have to deny ourselves um, of those kinds of things. It, it, it's, um, yeah. I, I mean, I laugh. It's like, oh, yeah, there'd be, yeah, it's like uh, we'd still have packed churches in Catholicism if there was just no sexual ethic. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, that's like the number one thing. Everyone's like, yeah, listen, you know, like, yeah, like, loving the poor, like, not talking too much shit on people. Okay, I, can, I can get, yeah, you know, I'm like, that's okay. Praying a little bit. Every now and again, let's not get crazy. Sure. Like sex, nope. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's so interesting. But that was a moment that kind of you think like strengthened your faith, or oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it honestly, it. I think that. I mean, Christianity is very much about about submission to to our Lord, right? And you know, we are His servants, um, and I think that. There's a there is this sort of paradox of like the more that you subject yourself to him, which is sort of a like giving away your freedom, the more freedom, like real freedom, you you experience in his love. Well, and that's yeah, that's a thousand percent true. I mean, you just see that uh, instantiated in a real practical and easy to understand way in, in marriage. Um, love makes demands, right? Mm. Like uh, love makes demands. If, if you have a marriage in which nobody is placing any demands on their spouse, there is not love in that marriage. Yeah. You know? um, it's not a relationship. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, love or relationships, you right. can easily sort of just use that as, uh, in its place. Relationships place demands. Like, right. if you have a friend and you never place any demands on that friend, like, you don't have a friendship. That's you, you're just two bros yeah. or playing video games or whatever. Yeah. You know? like, it's like, there's never a time when you're like, hey, I need something from you. Or, yeah. or mm-hmm. he or she is like, hey, I need something from you, you know? Even just um, a, a listener. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I need yeah. some of your time. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. And, and um, yeah. so I think as, as I think there's a real richness and there's a real reward in, in the, um, in uh, the, demands of religiosity yeah. that that really deepen it and make it rich and rewarding and beautiful and difficult i mean let's not like let's not sugarcoat this right sure. let's not like oh, that was great um you know um but but a religiosity that makes no demands you know if, if you think of religiosity in a very broad sense as, as, as a relationship between god you know the divine and yourself if there are no demands in that relationship what like what kind of relationship is that you know mm-hmm. so um, I, I think in submitting to what are sometimes onerous demands, whether it's sex yeah. or you know anything else, um, I think we come to appreciate uh, and understand the nature of the relationship of the yeah. divine in a way that um, you know someone who maybe doesn't place any, yeah. any demands on, on yeah. themselves or, or you know in terms of the religiosity could know. And I think that it it in practicing in in, in the very difficult practice of chastity. Um, through that struggle, you gain a an insight into um, you. You come to understand why it has been such a crucial part of the Christian faith for so long. Mm. Um, that this isn't just as as I think it seems from the outside. Um, this sort of just arbitrary um, and unfortunate controlling aspect, mm-hmm. um, that is kind of not connected to other things. And it's just sort of this weird, like, well, why not? You know, I don't get it. But I think in, in seeing that you, in, in practicing it in practicing that sacrifice of your own desires and wants, um, I think you come to see that how much this, that connects to so many aspects of, of our faith. Um, and how, by 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 not giving in to this desire of this world um it focuses you and in a very definitive way stakes your claim on eternity that your concern is for eternity and that your and therefore your relationship to this world is anything that happens in our lives here is 
is merely material that can be used towards towards the means of eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that desires and temptations, um, the hope is that one stops thinking of them in terms of do I get what I want or not, but you see them as as opportunities for giving glory to God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love him so much that I will sacrifice um, what I want in this one moment uh, for him to, to give, to show my sort of loyalty. To further to the him, relationship. To further relationship. Yeah. yeah. Huh. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And it makes me wonder about the other relationships in your lives. Like, mm. how do you think your faith practice has impacted your romantic relationships, your friendships, your family relationships, you know. <laughs> well, it hasn't impacted their relationship well sexually. I think <laughs> that much is obvious at this point. Uh, I, I recently had sort of a... Um, so my wife is, is also a very devoted Catholic, and so our Catholicism... Our, our relationship has been shot through with Catholicism from the start. And, and, um, How did you meet? Uh, this is a strange story. I used to own a paintball field. Oh, um, yeah. And cool. she came to play the paintball field. And I was wow. like, oh, she's kind of hot. And uh, she seems fun. Let's ask this girl out. So, um, a tale as old as time. The classic paintball field romance. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. where's your movie? Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. uh, and actually, so it's, it's funny. So, I'm, I'm wearing a gigantic example of this now. Uh, hilariously oh. gigantic. So, this oh, wow. is called a scapular. And it's sort of a. Uh, yeah, there's a more less obnoxiously sized one there. <laughs> there's uh, ones that are bigger though. Uh, <laughs> it's not scapular. It's how you use the pants. Uh, so I was wearing. I happen to be wearing a scapular, which is a uniquely Catholic, uh, you know, um, sort of piece of pious. Is it jewelry, always around your neck? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's, it's actually two sided. So it's, oh. it's 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 meant to sort of. Um, uh, give the sense of like a religious habit, so uh, like a nun or a sure. monk in Catholic yeah. Catholicism would wear what uh, was referred to as a habit, which is, which I think is itself maybe derived from like armor or something. Maybe yeah. anyway, uh, or, or supposed to remind you of armor, not actually derived from it. But anyway, so there's this piece in the front and then a piece in the back, mm-hmm. and then uh, lay people, that is people who are not in sort of a consecrated religious life, like a nun or a monk or a priest. Right. Uh, began to wear scapulars as a pious practice, but they, they shrunk in size. So instead of having like a giant piece of cloth that covers my entire front and a giant piece of cloth that covers my entire right. back that would essentially act like a shirt, you kind of wear like a little necklace looking thing almost. Um, so I was wearing a scapular. Uh, again, very uniquely Catholic, um, you know, uh, what you would call it, jewelry. Referring to it as jewelry oh. sounds weird. Whatever. I don't Article know. of clothes. Article yeah. of clothing, sure. It's, it's really not that either. I don't know what it is. Anyway. Um, That's it. So object. she yeah. saw that, and my wife my, my wife saw that. Uh, actually, our anniversary was uh, two years ago. Oh, uh, so wow. anyway, so, happy anniversary. And we met on our anniversary. Very small. Oh. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so she saw it, and she's like, hey, you Catholic? And so we got to talk about that. So it was, it was cool. So um, I was like, wow, she's hot, and she's Catholic. Nice. <laughs> uh, that, that, the, the importance of those things was precisely in that order. Hot first, Catholic second. Um, right. Yeah. yeah I didn't figure out the chastity thing. Right. <laughs> that was still, listen, man. You know, it's, just, it's a lifelong. You know, you just lifelong. Yeah. Yeah. Still fighting. You know. Uh, but. Uh, um, but anyway, so yeah, so our, our faith very much shot through the Catholicism. I've only, maybe in the past five years or so, really had sort of this renaissance in my life with regard to my uh, non-romantic relationships and um, my faith in a way that is so, so important. I, I, my faith was, interestingly, maybe you could almost say it was reverted to what my parents had practiced growing up, or sort of moribund, you know, bare minimum, I think was a phrase I used earlier. Once a week. Yeah, once a week kind of thing. And and, and intellectually, I think I was much further ahead than where I ever had been before. But, um, you know, I just, I don't know. So anyway, it was it was, it was in the practice of, of a Christian community that I, I, I found sort of a, a lived uh, experience of the faith that was a lot more meaningful and um, kind of put all that uh, sort of head knowledge, so to speak, into its proper proportion and perspective. Um uh, which is continuing now with my French with Josh, which was itself also, um, uh, you know, predicated largely on, on our mutual Catholicism. So anyway, so the, the, as yeah, the friendship piece, you, you said, how does it affect our other yeah, relationships? And, absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, my my 
I have a very close circle of friends now, and we all share the same faith, and that's much more meaningful to me than it may have been 10 years ago or whatever. Um, yeah. So did that inspire the Renaissance, or that was just, that's better because of it? Um, yeah, I was sort of just like floundering, and, and my wife's friend's husband reached out and asked me if I wanted to do this kind of what is now becoming more uh, like trendy uh, spiritual ascetical practice in Catholicism called Exodus 90. Uh, oh. Shout out to E90. Uh, <laughs> and just out of nowhere, he was like, hey, you want to do this? And it involves a lot of um, uh, sort of self-denial and a lot of additional prayer. And there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's sort of very intense. And yeah. uh, and like I said, I was sort of just like floundering. I, di- I didn't have that sense of the daily give and take with Jesus that, uh, that, uh, indicates a healthy faith, and um, and I thought, yeah, I don't know, I, I kind of do need a little, you know, kind of kick in the ass boost. right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, a boost. Yeah, <laughs> you know, depending how you look at it. Uh, and um, and then the guys with whom I share that experience are now, you know, a bunch of them are friends. I've since, you know, kind of done other groups and like whatever. Um, and like I said, ultimately now, uh, you know, my my very close friendship with Josh um, is is part of that experience of uh, friendship and Catholicism, a beautiful mingling of friendship and Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how did you guys meet and become friends? Well, when I was hired, um, Mike is very bitter about this. <laughs> I'm very bitter. Yeah. So I pray every day, Lord, bless the Lord, to yeah. relieve me of this bitterness. <laughs> yeah. And the confessional. That's, that's right. Still can't let go of this. Right. Um, so when I was hired, um, there was an article uh, published in the Lafayette Today or, sure. or something like that, yeah. um, just sort of announcing we have a new campus farmer and. Um, Mike. They didn't give a rat's ass when I was hired. I, didn't yeah, yeah. That, you know? I feel like my job's pretty important yeah. too, but no. <laughs> no Lafayette's there. Yeah, he was looking <laughs> ultra handsome and all these like soft focus pictures that like splattered on where was his brain? Yeah. It's fine, it's fine. It's so anyway, well, um, this interview might be in Lafayette today. So that's true. This <laughs> is your line of fame. That's right. Now yeah, everyone's wow. gonna know. Mike's yeah. honest. But I have to share the line with Josh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Look, I, I just, I'm throwing you a crust of bread. Your <laughs> 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 Christian charity is beautiful. It's so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So when I was hired, um, I was interviewed, and they had, they had a nice little article just introducing me, um, and. Um, at some point in the article, they were just getting to know me, like, you know, and and I mentioned uh, that I was Catholic, um, and I was excited to find a new church home in this in this oh, area, and yeah. um, just moving here and settling down. Um, and Mike saw that, um, he read the article, and overcame his bitter resentment, <laughs> um, and sent me an email and said, hey, I'm Catholic too, like, you know, we should hang out or something. I, I, I don't know what we first met, like, um, like in person. Yeah, I remember you tried to. You said you seem like a Chesterton guy. I uh, yeah, which I, I, uh, G.K. Chesterton is a famous or lay theologian from like nineteen twenties. Um, he's the best. Love Chesterton. He's he's a yeah wonderful writer. Um, I of course had uh, never heard of him at that point, <laughs> so that fell flat. But <laughs> I, I I tactfully just didn't. Respond to that part of the email because I didn't want to reveal my ignorance, you know, in this this new friendship. But who is Chester? <laughs> After some furious googling. Yeah, right, um, exactly. But yeah, then we. Yeah. I don't know. Did, yeah, it feels we like we must have gotten lunch or something. Yeah, exactly. Like it feels like there's no way we just started lifting together. So yeah. like, and then, like the 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 punchline here is now we're like lifting bros. Yeah, that's like the. But Aww. which uh, it's a good thing this is audio format because if people could see us, they'd laugh at the irony. Yeah. Uh, very strong. We're both super, we're just like kind of like yeah. the strong guys that don't look that yeah. strong. You know what I mean? We barely fit in this room. Yeah, exactly. Because of the muscles. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we barely fit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we're bursting yeah. out. We need podcast studio nine. Uh, but yeah so we I don't know we probably met once but then I I quickly found out that that Mike I guess you invited me to Mike lifts um, in the facilities gym um, like for three or four days a week and um, yeah and then we started doing that together and so then we just started kind of we would see each other for like about an hour four days a week Um, and that I mean the, the friendship kind of blossomed yeah. out of that yeah. and lots of 
you know, especially the way we lift, there's a lot of, um, <laughs> a lot of downtime in between, you know? It's important to rest between Which, sets. Yeah, that's why want, we got so jacked. That's how we have, we're really commit to the rest. Even we if you rest really between lift. reps, then yeah, you're even exactly. more... Yeah, down. right? I mean, think of that. Look at that. <laughs> One. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay, let's take a break. Back to Chesterton. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's like you yeah. have watched us. Like been there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> I go to the gym sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's so funny. Wow, that's awesome. I actually and have a meeting at three o'clock. Sorry, I've got you. Eight, um, eight minutes. Come uh, on, I think so. Yeah, well, how long is it supposed to be? I feel like we could talk all day, but I I love just getting a glimpse into yeah how your faith you know impacts every part of your life, mm-hmm. um, and really just wow it's it's been awesome hearing about this. I feel like we could even do a part two down the line. Like, There's two yeah, of us. Let's go. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, yeah. Wow. Cause I, I would just love to hear, yeah, we didn't talk about, you know, how your types of Catholicism were different. Oh, yeah. That's true. So yeah. that might be, that, might, that and then didn't deliver. <laughs> yeah. And West. That might That's be, right. exactly. That might be a follow up. Let's go. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, yeah, just because of time, we should probably, wrap up but do you guys have any last thoughts um, while we do uh no (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my last thought is I I need to uh have a a conversation about contractors using lifts on our campus and the uh you know legal (laughs) responsibilities they're in in about uh, four minutes perfect Uh, (laughs) yeah I don't know I I should have something better than that um Final thoughts, I don't know. Thank you for bringing us on. This is oh, great. of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just hope that uh, our, yeah, I hope that people that listen to this are, are inspired and, um, yeah, especially any students that are coming from a, a Catholic tradition. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've had students express to me that just knowing that there are, you know, Catholic faculty and, and staff here is, is a comfort to them and um, I know from my experience at college, it was it was difficult being surrounded by or having this sort of lack of, of people of faith. So, right. yeah, right. just an encouragement to persevere and stay yeah. close to our Lord. It's, yeah. it's so yeah. inspiring to hear how your faith makes you you and how your relationship is deep in that. You know, mm-hmm. I just I love both those components. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks for listening.